We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Thank you for your presence today. What would it be like to turn away from the only true and living God, the one who gave his only begotten son, the one who knew he would be born in, the one who allows us to live, move, and have our being even before we submit our lives to him, then turn away from him, abandon our faith, and disown him. We should shudder at the very thought of such an atrocity. Listen closely with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander warns us against the dangers of looking back. Every Christian ought to have a story. And every Christian ought to have a song. In recent weeks, I've been singing old songs. Last Sunday was Beans of Heaven. This Sunday, Blessed Assurance. Just tracking through some of those old hymns of the faith. Father, help us to preach now your word and power of your spirit and we thank you for the privilege of preaching help us to tune our ears to what the word has to say and to be determined to not be distracted so that we can be recipients of all that you want us to know and receive and practice in Jesus name and all God's children said you have your Bibles turned once again to the book of Jude. And we'll be laboring with verses um, 12 through 15 in the book of Jude. You find it quicker if you just turn to the end of the Bible and it's a book right before Revelation. That way you're not in the middle of the Bible trying to find it. You'll be a long time. It's, it's very short. Okay. Jude 12. You say, what? 12? It's only one chapter. <laughs> It's not two or three, it's just one. Jude 12 through 15. And there you'll find these words. These are spots in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds. Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars of whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And from these few verses, we want to preach the characteristics of corrupt and condemned apostates. That's what we want to preach, the characteristics 
of corrupt and condemned apostates. Jude here to ensure that believers would not be seduced and led astray by the seductive agenda of false apostate teachers who had crept into the church unnoticed, Jude gives a clear description in order that the church would be able to identify who these false uh, teachers and preachers and evangelists really are. And so Jude uh, gives some glaring characteristics so that they will not be duped, led astray, uh, taken off course, and uh, spend a lifetime in recovery. And he also speaks, uh, as it relates to these apostates, about their imminent, inescapable destiny. And you'll find all of that in these verses. These verses are so pregnant with truth until I probably just, if the Lord wills, uh, just kind of take every phrase uh, and just break it down so you can see it with a sense of clarity. In the early, it says here, look at verse 12. These are spots in your love feast. These are spots in your love feast. In the early church, love feast, say love feast. Love feasts were gatherings where believers came together for the study of God's word. They came together to encourage one another. They came together and often in these uh, love feasts, they had fellowship meals uh, where they bought and they broke bread. It was similar to potlucks. And, uh, and, and in all these meals and fellowship also included the Lord's Supper. It was commonly held on the Lord's day. So these love feasts were, were done, wonderful fellowships on the Lord's day, uh, kind of a potluck kind of a thing. And the extremely poor did not, were not able to bring anything because of their impoverished conditions. And so saints who could give more, uh, uh, supply more food did so. And then you see here, it says, these are spots in your love feast. These are spots in your love feast. Jude describes false teachers as spots. Say spots. Spots who had penetrated and infected the church with heretical false doctrine. Now, the Greek word translated spots usually means submerged rocks or hidden reefs. Spots in the Greek uh, usually means submerged rocks underneath, underneath, down under the water, or hidden reeds, which are a tremendous danger to ships. Hidden reeds posed unseen danger to ships at sea in that they are undersea, located close to the shore, and if the ship's crew did not take extreme precautionary measures, the, the ship, the bottom of the ship could be ripped open, causing the whole vessel to sink. And so uh, Jude uses an analogy here of uh, about these spots and submerged rocks and reeds. False teachers are likened to hidden reeds and spots that deceptively infiltrated the church fellowship for the purpose of defiling the church, corrupting the church, destroying the unity of the spirit, and ultimately sinking uh, the body of Christ. And if we don't take precautionary measures and be alert and be watchful, we could hit these hidden rocks or reeves 
that could actually rip apart the body of Christ because we were not able to identify false apostate teachers. You see that? Are y'all hanging with me? Second Peter chapter two, verse 13 B says they are spots and blemishes. You know, you don't like spots on your clothes. You know, if you eat, you know, have you eaten? Sometimes like we eat more sloppy when we are most dressed up. <laughs> you know, you go to uh, 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 Olive Garden or something, you get all that rest of right on your new dress or your right on that brand new tie. And you just look at it and say, mm, mm, mm. But you don't like spots. Somebody say you got a spot on your dress, a spot. The spots bother you. Don't, spots irritate you. You know, spots make you, you know, self-conscious of yourself. And, and nobody wants spots. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and spots in the church, blemishes in the church ought to, ought to bother you to the point that we keep the doctrine of Jesus Christ pure, unblemished unadulterated to the glory of God. Look at the next phrase. While they feast with you without fear. Here people coming into the church without fear, feasting with the Lord's people on the Lord's day with a hidden agenda. Because of the corruption, perversion, and debauchery of apostate teachers, they have no reverential fear of God. They have no reverential feel for the Lord's church or the damage done to unsuspecting saints. They're coming to the church. They're cussing the church. They're fighting the church. They'll raise hell in the church or they will change their satanic strategy and look so nice and so sweet and so kind and so soothing, but they're eating away at you like a cancer because they are feeding you un- while you are innocent of their agenda, uh, uh, food that is detrimental to your spiritual life. They have no fear. And you know what? what's bothering me today is that folk come into God's house with no sense of reverence and no sense of fear. When you, I mean, we ought to fear God out of the house when we outside of this house. And when we come in this house, we ought to have a sense of, of extreme regard for God, respect for God, reverential fear for God. It's certain things you just ought not do in here. Amen. This is not a place to play. This is not a place to be flirting around. It's a wonderful thing to find a good wife here. That's a good place. Better here, perhaps, than the club somewhere. But, but, but you know, but, but that's not your main reason for coming here. Your main reason is to get a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some folk come to church and get everything but Christ. They come to church and chew gum and, and just eat on stuff and walk here and walk there and play with babies. And when they all is said and done, they've left with how she looked, what he said, how flat they sang. <laughs> While they feast with you without fear. Then look at the next phrase. I'm just dissecting it. It says, serving only themselves. Y'all see that? Serving only themselves. These apostate teachers were, and pastors and, and, and apostles and, and uh, evangelists, they were selfish by nature, seeking influence. These false teachers were seeking their own power and personal gain. 
If you have any other agenda than glorifying God, you are spiritually sick, defected, and out of order. These apostate teachers were were selfish by nature. They were seeking influence and power and personal gain. They had no love or compassion for the saints and could care less about the personal or spiritual needs of others within the body of Christ. They were false. You have even false shepherds and pastors and teachers that exploited their position to get what they wanted. And you got the the full put the pulpits uh, in in these times are filled with preachers and pastors and and so forth and evangelists that are just raping the church spiritually, raping the church financially. And when all said and done, the whole church is in a mess. And the the next pastor has to come and spend ten years trying to recover. Uh, and get the church back on track from that crazy devilish pastor. Isaiah 56, 10 through 12 says, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. That's the worst thing you can have as an ignorant pastor. I mean, just it talk ignorant, look ignorant, is ignorant. All ignorant. Isaiah was cutting to the chase. They are all dumb dogs. That's why I know the the word. I know God wrote the Bible. Who would call themselves dumb dogs? Uh, they, they cannot bark. Now, what's a dog that can't bark? The sorriest dog ought to bark sometimes. Look, sleeping. You can't get up. Barely make it to church on time. Always late. Lying down. Loving to slumber. I love to get up when it comes to, to coming to the word of God. I'm not going to drag myself in here two minutes to eight. I'll be a nervous wreck. And you who are serving in ministry, how many of you ought to serve in ministry? Raise your hand. You ought to be so excited to whatever ministry you are serving in. You ought to be early. Nobody should have to wait on you unless there are circumstances beyond your control because of your excitement and your enthusiasm and your passion for the word of God. The worst thing we can have is lazy pastors who sleep all day instead of praying and studying the word of God. And members likewise. Verse 11, yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough. Just always want more, more feasting. Greedy. I mean, greedy for more stuff. I can't never be satisfied with what they have. Leadership. So if the leadership is like that, then what condition is those in the pew or the seats? Uh, and they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his own gain, from his own territory, come, one says, I will bring you wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drinks. And we live in a day where pastors and those in leadership are drunkards. I want you to say drunkards, say it. And they're not by themselves either. I want you to say amen. They're drunkards, they're intoxicating drink. They just uh, drinks, uh, you know, and sometimes I had one person tell me the other day that they just wish they could have just a little more wine in the bottle, you know, uh, just drink, drink. The worst thing you can have is pastors who like drinks. 
Listen, you can't, I can't be drinking and getting myself all drunk and seeing illusions and all kind of, amen. How can I leave y'all? No, if you tipsy, you drunk. No such thing as kind of drunk. You drunk. You drunk. And uh, you, I need all my mind. I need a sound mind. I need an alert mind. You know, under my, uh, under the, under the watch and care of God. And t- tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. Look how deceived they are. Now look at Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm talking about shepherds. So you, we talk, we talk about Christians, but I'm talking about us too, even in the pulpit and even those who propagate the good news of Jesus Christ, but live corrupt lives. Ezekiel 34, one through four. Ezekiel 34, one through four. Look what it says. And the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus said the Lord God to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? It's a sorry pastor that won't teach the people the word of God. You don't have a passion for teaching and, and expounding and exegeting the scripture. You need to get out the pulpit. Verse three, you eat the fat and clothe yourself with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. And I'm going to tell you something else too. Sheep go where they are fed. And if you good, if you put in good solid feed in the trough, I don't worry about y'all going nowhere. You go a little while, you coming back. <laughs> Amen. But you find out, you know, I ain't growing here. I'm still hungry. Have you ever eaten some food? And when you ate the meal, you were still hungry. You went over there and they just put dabs on your plate and talking about, did you get enough? I mean, you know, you want to get full. And a lot of these shepherds leave you empty. And when you get through all said and done, you know, they just hollered and screamed and jumped and did acrobat. But you say, what did they preach? I don't know, but was it good? Yeah, it was good. They can't give you three good points. People go where they are fed. I'm going to tell you what. And they will come miles to get where they are fed. Distance is not an issue when you know you're going to get the right diet. You don't hear what I'm saying. You go, you come across. They say, why are you going way over there? It's a church around the corner. Because I know I have some meat on the table for me. I don't have to worry about my spiritual diet here. I know it's going to be the right diet, the right food in the trough from God. See, Verse 3, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. Fine linen, see. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Verse four, the weak you have not strengthened. In other words, the pat, false shepherds, they don't, they don't care about the, the body. They don't strengthen the weak, nor have you healed those who were sick. Don't pray for the sick. Don't give them a call, phone call, no visits, nor bound up the broken, those who are hurting, nor brought back what was driven away. Some folks just run folk right out the church and you have to go get them because some hell you got a hold to them nor sought what was lost. You know, that's leaving the, leaving the 99 and going after the what? One. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. 
The worst thing you can have is a dictatorial pastor. People walking around, scared of the man because he's such a tyrant and so hard and harsh and will blow you away and embarrass you right before the body of Christ, right in front of your family, using a pulpit as a sledgehammer to wipe you out. You, listen, you don't need to be wiped out here. The world has done a good job at that. You need ministry here. You need encouragement here. You need love here. You need some hope here. You need, this is a place of refuge. This is, this is a, this is, it's a sanctuary of hope in order to get you going and gird it up for the fight outside of these doors. Wow. Then look at the next phrase. I'm just enjoying this in the spirit of God. Look. They are clouds without water, carried away by the winds. That's pop there. Apostate teachers were likened unto clouds that appear to be filled with water, ready to burst with showers, while farmers were filled with anticipation of seeing their withered crops dry and thirsty land replenished and satisfied with much needed rain. However, to the dismay of the farmers, they were disappointed. The clouds failed to produce rain. And clouds are also transient. You know, clouds move in that they appear for a little while and then what? Disappear. And look at the analogy he uses here as it relates to clouds and false teachers. False teachers are very similar to clouds in that they come in unnoticed Look as if they are filled with knowledge, filled with wisdom, filled with spiritual refreshment, but produce nothing but broken promises, false doctrine, and a tremendous heightened sense of disillusionment. Like clouds, the apostate teachers disappear, leaving the church shipwrecked and move on to another church doing, after doing, insurmountable damage at the church that they left. They will shipwreck the church and after they've done all their damage, they leave now. What they do, they tap the church and go tap some other church. A good illustration happened to me yesterday. I was just kind of relaxing after being here with new members orientation. My wife and I had been here all day dealing with new members and I got home. As I was driving home, I saw black clouds. And I said, oh God, send some rain. Send some rain. We need some rain. My, they're talking about uh, stage two water and, and, and finding you in the water patrol and all this kind of stuff. Lord, send some of your fresh water. And all of a sudden, I heard the thunder. And I saw the wind. But when all was said and done, no water. My grass was still thirsty. It was still parched. And I said, woe is my grass. I mean, I, I was disappointed because I didn't get the refreshing rain, sweet smelling water from yonder's black clouds. And that's the way false teachers are. They look like they somebody. They look scholarly. 
and they look like they got something to give. When all said and done, you just as impoverished spiritually and messed up as you can be and disappointed and disillusioned. Let me deal with clouds a little bit longer. Say clouds. I don't preach on clouds too much, so let me just hang around the clouds. Have you ever flown through a cloud? Once a plane is in the clouds, everything is fogged up to the point that you can't see beyond the wind. I look at the window and I look out and all I see is a, a tremendous sense of fog. And false teachers, the Lord gave me this revelation, false teachers come into your life and so fog up your life that you can't get a clear look at the Savior. Fog up your life until you can't get a clear look at the Savior. And you know something about clouds? There are members in the church who look just like clouds. They make a whole lot of noise. They, they, they jump and they shout. And at the onset, they come up and, and, and they're hot and, and they, they say they're going to be good members and they're going to do this and that in the church. They look spiritual and you're filled with a tremendous sense of expectation for them. But all they end up doing is making a lot of noise. They amen the sermon away. They shout and are extremely emotional, but they have no substance. And the Lord gets no productivity from them. It's bad to just have an emotional church. That's right. I mean, you get turned, oh, they shout and they turn it, they foam it at the mouth and they roll it over and over and over. And they, they look like out of their mind. They look like they mad. But when they get up, they can't tithe. I mean, they can't stand stormy weather. The least little thing caused them to blow over. They make a lot of noise, a lot of sound, and emotional. Emotional devils. Listen, being emotional does not impress God. Satan knows how to be emotional. We must study, meditate, and obey the Word of God daily, lest we fall. The tendency to stray away from God doesn't stop us here on earth. The Bible tells us that God's judgment also fell upon fallen angels. In other words, no one is exempt. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210 210- Maranatha Bible Church is located directly at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.